Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. So let's get right into the Word, knowing that God will speak into our lives today. Hallelujah. In your Bibles real quick. Glory to God. Turn to Romans. This is communion service tonight, so our emphasis is on the ordinance of communion in the church. Its purpose, its power, its blessing. You know, we think about it sometimes and we think, well, that, you know, may be an unusual thing to do and to perform. But, you know, in reality, there are all kinds of traditions that we have, even as Americans. You know, before ball games are played and rodeos in different places, you know, we sing the, uh, the, uh, what we call the national anthem. Amen. That's why people many times have problem with people disgracing that because it is a tradition of our nation. You know, let me just say this. There are other ways to protest other than, other than challenging tradition. I mean, we still have a free press. I mean, you can, there, are, there are all kinds of ways to pro- protest. But when you go against the tradition of that which has been established, then, you know, you're making a pretty strong statement. I mean, if, if people begin to come against communion, I, I, I'd question their, uh, their sanity. Amen? Uh, but now, it is an ordinance of the church. But there's more teaching than we think in the Scriptures about communion and about its effect and its significance in our lives. Now, now let's begin in verse Uh, Turn to chapter 3 of the book of Romans. Chapter 3, I I apologize if I didn't tell you that. But there in verse 21, this is kind of uh, part of the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome and Galveston. Amen? Amen. Always remember this. this I was thinking about this today. You know, the, the, the old covenant and all of the teaching that is in it from Genesis through Malachi was written for you. Everybody say for me. And did you know the Gospels are also written for you? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are written for you. Everybody say, for me. But now the letters to the church, actually beginning in the book of Acts and all through the epistles and through the book of Revelation, that's not written for you, that's written to you. Did you get that? Everybody say, written to me. So there is a greater significance Let me say that again. There is a greater significance. That doesn't mean there can't be powerful revelation out of the Old Covenant or out of the Gospels. That doesn't mean words of faith cannot come out of those Scriptures. But actually, in reality, the more relevant Scripture to us as believers are the letters to the church because that's where we live today. That's God talking to us in our our relevant position. Or I I like what one preacher said. It's God speaking to us in our now position. Everybody say our now position. Now, here it says in verse 21, it says, Now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all men and all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely. I love this. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption. Everybody say redemption. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sin that are passed for that are passed through the forbearance of God. Let me read it in the Amplified, verse 25. Whom God put forward, speaking of Christ, before the eyes of all, as a mercy seat and perpetuation by His blood. Now listen to this. The cleansing and life-giving sacrifice. Amen. 
the cleansing and life-giving sacrifice. Now notice this though. It says an atonement and reconciliation. That should be remission and reconciliation. Because the blood of Jesus was not an atonement, it was a remission. Now let me say that again. You say, now wait a second, I don't understand that. Well, an atonement is something that covers. That's what they did in the Old Covenant. It was the blood of bulls and goats and the ceremony given by God to the, to the Levitical priesthood that time after time after time, year after year, uh, century after century, they took and spilled the blood of bulls and goats. Literally, the best way to describe it in today's vernacular is like a credit card. It was like they were putting sin on credit, sin on credit. And the atonement or the covering of sin, God was giving it to them by credit, looking forward to the day in which the bill was, would be paid. Oh, thank God that bill was paid 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ shed His blood. Amen. So let's read it like that. The remission and reconciliation to be received through faith, this was to show God's righteousness... Because in His divine forbearance, I love this, He passed over and ignored former sins without punishment. I tell you, if you'll just listen to that tonight, you can get set free. Some of you are thinking, God's out to get me. He knows what I did. He knows how many. No, He has passed over your sin. Through His forbearance, without punishment, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is the eradication of the sin nature in the heart of the human being, but it is also what uh, the price that was necessary to erase not only the sin itself, but all the effects of it. You can be whole. I said, you can be, oh, pastor, I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. I'm afraid my liver's destroyed. I'm afraid my kidneys are harmed. No, no, you can claim your healing in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can claim that by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, that lifestyle and life that you used to live is now under the blood. Under the blood. Everybody say, under the blood. Oh, glory to God. Be careful. I start preaching on that. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Whoops, I'm in Romans. Helps to get the right chapter, amen. 1 Corinthians 10. Let's look there in verse. Verse 16, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many, now listen to this, are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Now let me read that in the Amplified. I like it in the Amplified. The cup of blessing of the wine at the Lord's Supper, upon which we ask God's blessing. Does it not mean that drinking it we participate in and share a fellowship, a communion in the blood of Christ the Messiah? The bread which we break, does it not mean that in eating it we participate in and share a fellowship, a communion in the body of Christ? Now let me, let me say this. Communion brings us into unity. 
Now, I started thinking about this. I started meditating on this. I began to think about, Leah was raised in a particular denomination of Christianity which celebrates communion every service. Every service, uh, their priest gives communion to those that are accepted into that congregation. Have you ever noticed that in that denomination you never see a church split? You think about that for a minute. You say, why? You ever notice in that denomination you see a lot of people that are very committed to that denomination? Now, I know there's some things that are about it uh, that, that aren't right. There's some things about it uh, that you could classify as being the tradition and religion of men. But that one thing of communion brings such a unity in to that certain denomination that it's hard to break that unity. Let me just say it like this. They stick together. I said they stick together. They stick together in just about every situation you can think of. And I'm telling you, when God begins to come in and break that unity, because sometimes He does break that unity to bring enlightenment to them, I tell you, many of them, and I've seen this over in Ireland, when they leave that certain uh, uh, flavor of Christianity, those that are, are their friends and their loved ones, they have their funeral. It's like they're not even alive anymore. Because that unity is so strong. Well, we ought to use that to our benefit. You say, what do you mean by that? Every time we partake of, commun of communion, we partake of communion together. And God says right here, that communion that we take together is a sign of our unity. And I want you to know, we by the Spirit of God have a measure of His anointing in us. But when we get together in unity, I'm telling you, there's a measure of that anointing that goes way up. That will cause great things to happen in the kingdom of God. Amen? Now, since we're there in 1 Corinthians, go to 1 Corinthians 11. Gentlemen, you can go. Brother Frank, go back to the keyboard and begin to play softly, if you will. And Gentlemen, you can begin to pass out the communion implements. We've read this over the years so many times, but it bears repeating over and over. Now, Paul says in verse 23, 1 Corinthians 11, For I have received of the Lord that which I, so, I also delivered unto you. Now, this is another very unique thing. Because Peter and John and James and others of the twelve were there at the Last Supper. Now, they had, how can I say that, Lord? You're going to have to give me that again. They had an experience with Jesus on that incredible night in which He broke bread with them sharing the cup of the Messiah, taking that cup of the Messiah that had never been touched before, reaching and grabbing the showbread, making the same statements that Paul makes here. But obviously, it was an experience to them, but not a revelation. Are you with me? But Paul wasn't even there. That's an amazing fact. At that time, the Apostle Paul was a zealot Pharisee. Amen. I mean, the one that would end up uh, eventually opposing Jesus and everything that Jesus does. Just totally opposing it. So if Paul was going to get it, he could not get it by the experience of being there. He was going to have to get it by revelation and faith. You say, what point are you trying to make, Pastor? 
Let's talk about the cross. You weren't there. You weren't there physically. You weren't there as a human being standing in Jerusalem on that day in which Jesus was crucified. But if you've got it by revelation, you were there. And His cross was your cross. His death was your death. Just like at the tomb, His resurrection is now your resurrection. You say, well, I sure wish I could have seen that. It's okay. You don't have to see it. You can believe it by faith. You were there. Amen. You were there. Communion. Oh, my goodness. Communion erases the stigma of time. And brings us back together to that place in which His passion to bring remission of sin and redemption to the human family was going on in its act. Everybody say, in its act. So that it's the act itself. Think of, think of throwing a large stone into a, a big body of water that was perfectly glassy. So that the act of it, as it resonated down through time, that that ripple effect would not decrease but increase. Instead of the waves getting smaller off of the splash, the waves have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger until now they're cresting in the culmination of time and that which God desires to do. And every time we get together and celebrate communion, we step into that reality, realizing and recognizing that the body of the Lord Jesus Christ broke the power of Satan over our life, and the blood of Jesus has caused all of our sins to be eradicated. And that remission of sin makes us the new creatures of Christ that we are in Him. Woo, I tell you, we could get real happy about that. Amen. He said that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread. There are things that Jesus is allowed to take. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The word remembrance, it's a covenant word. To put in remembrance of that covenant. Everybody say covenant. Say, I'm in a covenant. Say, I'm in a covenant. After the same manner, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it. There it is again. In remembrance of me. In remembrance of me. You know, when you remember, everybody say remember. When you remember someone, it erases time and brings them right to where you are. Some of you have loved ones. When you remember them, certain places. The other day I was someplace, I was thinking about my mom. I started thinking about her, and all of a sudden, my thinking about her uh, become became more detailed. I was thinking about a certain event. I began to kind of laugh and chuckle because it's kind of a humorous event. And, and it was like all of the space in between when she went to heaven and today were erased, and she was right there with me. Amen. Sometimes, Lee and I, we were coming back from eating last night, and, and Bean Crosby was singing... Uh, White Christmas, but it's the rendition where he whistles. You know, you know the one where he whistles? Well, her daddy used to whistle that to her. And so when they begin to sing it and he started to whistle, we just reached over and turned it up. And it was just like Dad Megason was right there with us, whistling again. It's a white Christmas. All well, he passed away in 1996. All of the space in between his home going and where was erased. And it was like he was right there with us. 
See how powerful remembrance is? That's how powerful remembrance is. I was preaching the other night. I forget where I was. And I talked about an event that happened to me in a little trailer house in West Columbia, Texas. I was a little boy, probably 10 or 12 years. Well, 1967, I was 11 years old. And the soldiers of Israel were running up the streets of Jerusalem. Running up the, it was on a little black and white television in my grandmother's trailer. Little black and white television. And, and, and in the grainy, uh, snowy picture, my grandmother, I'll never forget, she was ironing. She was ironing shirts. And as she ironed those shirts, she began to watch as those men, those soldiers, began to run up that street. And as they ran up that street, they began to take off their take off their uh, 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 the things that held their bullets and, and different throw their helmets on the ground, lay down their weapons, and they ran up to that wailing wall and began to worship God and worship God. Well, my grandmother thought that the rapture was fixing to take place right then. She let go of that iron. She jumped back. She went, whoa! She began to dance in the Holy Ghost. She began to shout. She began to say, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. They've got Jerusalem back. Just a race. All the time. The distance that time had created between her going to heaven and then was just erased as I talk about that. Well, in the same way, when we're put in remembrance through the bread and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of the time, 2,000 years of time melt away. And we recognize the significance of the cross, the significance of His broken body, the significance of His spilled blood, and the significance of His offered sacrifice. And all of that time is erased. And He stands right here with us as the object of our communion. You know, Hebrews 13 says, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 12 says, that Jesus is the author of, and the finisher of our faith. One translation I read said, He's the one that gives you the reason to believe, the power to the believe, and the incentive to, the, to believe. And he is, also that, he is also the one that causes what He empowers you to believe to come to pass. Now the problem many times, the object of our faith becomes what we're wanting to receive from God. Now think about that for a moment. You say, I'm believing for healing. I'm believing for a breakthrough in my prosperity, a blessing upon my business, a healing in my marriage, a, 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 a favor for my children, whatever it is. So all of a sudden, what you're believing God for becomes the object of your faith when it's not the object of your faith. It's the result of your faith. Are you with me? You say, what do you mean by that? The object of your faith needs to forever be Jesus. That means that everything faith produces makes Him bigger and bigger and bigger in your life. You say, why? Because He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. Has everybody received the bread and the cup? If you've not, lift your hand. Anybody? Lift your hand high so we can see. Everybody's received it. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'll let the, gen let the gentlemen get down so they can get theirs in hand everybody get the bread hold it think about his body that God it's, if you really will take some time and use your thought processes 
Your mind cannot grasp the reality that God, our God, would show up in human form. 100% humanity, but also 100% deity. God must identify with fallen humanity, but He never was a partaker of the sin nature. But He allowed that body to be beaten, to be bruised as He assumed and assimilated all that was wrong with humanity. Isaiah paints the beautiful picture of it so poetically. He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. By His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord hath laid upon Him the iniquity of us all. The iniquitous nature that was transferred into humanity because of the stain and the fall of sin was broken by the body of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. The power of Satan over fallen humanity in which he had held humanity in sway to every dictate and command that he gave was broken that day 2,000 years ago. And our celebration of that broken body removes the element of time and brings the power of that one event right into our life so that we can be free from iniquity, cleansed from sin, and brought into correct fellowship with a loving Heavenly Father. Lord Jesus, in recognition and honor of that which you've done, your grace and your mercy so overwhelming, we lift the bread that represents your body. We break it that speaks of the sacrifice that you made on that day and allowed yourself to accumulate every wrong thing with us. Then you took it to the place of eternal separation from God and you destroyed it once and for all so that by faith we can walk in the reality of what you provided for us in Christ. Thank you for your great sacrifice. Receive of the bread. I always think about what's precious upon the earth, what's valuable upon the earth. Most nations print currency. That began several centuries ago. Currency is valuable. Gold is valuable. Silver is valuable. Jewels are valuable. Real estate's valuable. All kinds of things on the earth are valuable. But when it comes to value, in the entire universe, nothing is more valuable than the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus was that which was used to purchase our redemption. It didn't just cover your sin. It eradicated and removed it. It destroyed the sin nature on the inside of you. That's why we can say that that old covenant was written for you. Those gospels were written for you. But these letters are written to you. You say, why? A different time back then. But the blood of Jesus has come into your life or you wouldn't be here tonight. The blood of Jesus has done a work in you, it's done a work for you, and it desires to do a work through you. We should live holy. We should live righteous. We should live pure. And there also should be a binding element to this blood that binds us all together in Christ in a covenant in which we dedicate and consecrate ourselves to take this message everywhere God will open the door.
Because God loves people. The proof, the blood that was shed. And the blood that was offered upon the mercy seat of God. Jesus, we thank you for your blood. Nothing more valuable. It's not an anomaly. It's not a, it's not a myth, a legend. In reality, there is a place out in space somewhere right now in which there is a literal altar called the mercy seat of God. It exists. Upon that altar is not the stain of blood spilled 2,000 years ago, but the blood itself still existing, still glistening, still red, still powerful, and is a monument in heaven and earth to that which you provided for us through the shedding and offering of your blood. And tonight in honor and in recognition and in great thanks from our heart, we partake of the cup in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now lift your hands and worship the Lord. Oh, He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. We worship you, Lord. We glorify your name. We exalt you, Heavenly Father. Oh, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord God. You're so holy. You're so worthy. You're so gracious. You're so good. We love you so much, Lord. We love you so much, Father. We glorify you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. My, my, my. Boy, it just feels holy in here, doesn't it? Glory. Lift your hands one more time. Let's worship God for just a moment. We worship you, Lord. We glorify your name. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, I'll do that. Let me just say this, and then we'll change the order of the service and go back to our fellowship. There should be a security in your salvation. I've always used this illustration in meetings, and sometimes I get a laugh out of it asking how many people believe they're saved and people raise their hand, then I always encourage them to come down and get saved. Amen. Y'all are very well trained, so y'all never fall for that anymore. But the enemy will always try to put fear on people. We're human. We're still stuck in human flesh that's still affected by the fall. We live in a world system that's anti-Christ, and growing stronger daily. Our minds are under constant bombardment and attack. The enemy constantly probes you to see if you will entertain the thoughts that he puts in your mind. And one of the thoughts that he tries more and more and more to interject into people is the thought of the denial of the reality of salvation. 
where you begin to question, have I done something? Have I committed something? I'll never forget in Bible school years ago, over 30-something years ago, a precious woman in our class, during a session with Brother Pastor John Osteen, he had opened up the last 15 minutes for questions. She began with tears rolling down her face to tell the testimony of her and her husband. They attended a certain Pentecostal denominational church. He was a businessman that had become quite successful, gave quite a lot of money to the church, quite a lot of money into missions. The business had gone awry through some events that had happened. They went into bankruptcy, lost his business, went into a depression. Couldn't seem to find his way out. In that depression, he took his life, committed suicide. At the funeral that was preached by their pastor, it was explained to the congregation that there was no way this man could be in heaven. That by taking his own life, he had sinned a sin unto death. And that people should by example learn that by doing anything like that, you cross a line in which there's no return. And as this woman sobbed and told the story, I'll never forget the compassion that came on Pastor Osteen. And he looked up with this bright light on his face and he said simply, simple words. He said, honey, he said, Jesus would no more send your husband to hell for being sick in his head than he would send him to hell for being sick in his stomach. And he said, your husband is not in hell. Because salvation and the blood is stronger than any mistake we can make. That man did not deny his salvation. He did not recant it in any way. He got sick in his head. And he took his life. Some of you in here, the enemy has tried to put oppression on you when it comes to events of your past. But notice what it said there. And what was it? In, in 1 Corinthians 10 or in Romans where it said, your punishment has been removed from you. The punishment of, of the sin nature in humanity is eternal separation from God. Listen, you're born again. And, and listen, the consequences of the attack of the adversary in your life, the number one thing the enemy tries to do is to blame you for it. You're the reason this has happened. You're the problem. It's what you've done. But you ought to focus on what He's done. And thank God that His blood has cleansed you from all sin and unrighteousness. And if you have missed the mark, you just go over there into 1 John. You confess your sin not to a priest, not to a potentate, not to some man. You confess it to the only one that can do something about it. And the Bible said He will cleanse you of all. That He's faithful to cleanse you from all sin and unrighteousness. Everybody close your eyes. Lift your hand. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you. I am born again. I don't believe it. I know it in the very depths of my heart. Every sin and the sin nature has been eradicated and destroyed by the blood and the power and the redemptive work of my loving Savior and Lord who I love so much. Because of that, devil I speak to you in the name of Jesus get out of my mind I will not fall for your trap I will not fall for your strategy I am a saint I am redeemed 
redeemed by the blood. Thank you, Father. You've not given me spirit of fear, but of power, love, a sound mind. Thank you, Father. All my sins are forgiven, washed away, thrown in the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against me anymore. As far as the east is from the west, an infinite measurement, I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed in Jesus' name. Now, everybody, thank God for it. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.